Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 279, the August 1991 issue, published June 4th of 1991, cover price of a dollar. This one's titled Bad to the Bone. Uh, I missed that. You missed that it was titled Bad to the Bone? I did. There was just so much action in this issue that I had no time to read titles. <laughs> the Muir Island Saga continues here. It's the return, because we demanded it, uh, of Colossus. He's back. It's, it's gold Colossus. Yeah, yeah. Why uh, is he gold on the cover? Well, it was the thing. You remember um, how uh, uh, Bumblebee turned into Goldbug for some reason? Was this one of those embossed? gold covers that had a premium on it where you had to pay four dollars to just get the glowing gold colossus no i think he's colored gold because behind him is fire yeah yeah no. okay <laughs> I, I think it's 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 fairly evident through the issue that yeah he's he's just hot but <laughs> oh he's hot i mean he's buff and everything but uh there was no foil embossed embo- embossing going on in this issue as no. far as I'm aware, anyways. Maybe there was. Missed opportunity. I don't know everything about comics, Adam. Stop stop asking me questions I don't know the answer to. This is a, an Andy Kubert Scott Williams cover. Yeah. I thought it was a Jim Lee cover at first, but it is not. I think, the, yeah, the inking could make you think that it's uh, Jim Lee. I feel yeah. like the character... Uh, I, I take it back. Professor X... Looks like a good Jim Lee. Uh, Stevie Hunter looks like a good Jim Lee. Colossus, I don't think this is how Jim Lee would draw, draw Colossus. Yeah, I agree. So, but uh, is this the first time we're seeing Andy Kubert? I think it is. Maybe. I don't know. Adam and Andy Kubert are uh, pretty much mainstays in, in comics from forever. Here on out, yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe. The professor's uh, forearm is very hairy. Well, he's he's pretty. We'll find out that even though back in X Men number one he was a frail old man with a blanket over his legs in a wheelchair, he's buff. But I suppose he was cloned or something like that. So maybe maybe Shiar shaved like twenty years off of his his age. Maybe because now he looks like a strapping forty year old man and not a decrepit seventy year old man. <laughs> and they pumped him up. Oh yeah, Lots he's. Well, muscles and steroids juice. I don't think so. I, I think um, Chode had a uh, very robust uh, workout plan for him. Okay. So space when he was in space, he had like space exercise. Yes. Space exercise. Yeah, they called it Space Jam, but <laughs> they didn't know that there was also a movie called Space Jam. So the professor would show up at seven a.m. space time and say, Chode. Are you ready for Space Jam? And then they would go Space Jam. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this is a fact. They are the Star Jammers, so basically everything they do is a jam. <laughs> <laughs> Woof, that was rough. Okay, anyways, uh, the creative... So why is he trying to oh. kill the Professor X? That's what I want to know. Well, Adam, the cover helpfully asks us the same question, and this issue uh, will tell us, but spoilers, it's the Shadow King. Isn't there... Just a few issues ago, there was a cover with Wolverine killing the Professor X. Yes. How many issues ago was that? Not many. Mm. 
Now you're going to make me go back and look. They're uh, running out of ideas at the House of Ideas. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, it was uh, issue 276. It was three issues ago where mm. Wolverine's standing over him. Got his claws out. Professors fall into the ground. So they, they really like pretending to kill the professor. How many issues will it be before someone else attempts to kill the professor? Uh, how many issues before he dies again? True. And how many issues before he comes back again? So let's talk about the creative team here. Not really much to talk about. It's Chris Claremont and Fabian Nisiezia who are the writers. Andy Kubert is our guest penciler. Scott Williams is the inker. Team Appendix. Oh, is that supposed to be a joke? I don't get it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Letters, Glynis Oliver. Colorist is Bob Harris. No, what what's going on here? Bob Harris yeah. isn't. Is he? A, is he a colorist? Uh, the Glynis Oliver is the colorist. Yeah. Team Appendix. Oh, are, Appendix so there's are the letterers. That's dumb. So there's multiple. I got really confused there. I'm like, oh, Bob Harris is taking on coloring duties. That's weird. Uh, he's the editor. Tom DeFalco is the editor in chief. And there's a special thanks to Jim Lee for the plot assist. So they're they're really working Chris Claremont out of the book. In trying to determine reading this who did what i this felt very claremonty well the words are for sure um maybe just the plot isn't but i mean it felt who, who like, knows what the plot has ever been yeah I, I don't know it felt like a very um part two of three or part two of four series so I didn't, yeah, I don't really have any problems with the pacing or the plotting of the issue. There's some artwork I want to talk about, but, uh, but really only one panel because it's goofy. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know, let's, let's, let's kick into this thing. Uh, the Stevie and the professor, I think they're hanging out on the, uh, the school for the gifted, the destroyed school. Uh, Colossus has just showed up, and, and immediately we know that it's the Shadow King, so there's no mystery here. The Shadow King has possessed Colossus and has uh, commissioned him to destroy Stevie Hunter and then destroy the Professor. Commissioned? I don't know. <laughs> possessed. I use possessed already. I want to use it again. Uh, enthralled <laughs> the Colossus to kill Stevie and the Professor? I'm fine with commissioned, as long as I know what colossus is getting in return for this commission uh he's gonna get his free will back after he does the damage mm, so he'll feel bad oh he's gonna feel miserable okay it's really not a good deal for colossus mm. <laughs> he's on fire by the way he is on fire because i was he in a car he smashed through a car I really don't remember how the last issue left off i think the car smashed okay into colossus there, maybe I, I even feel like there's well he, colossus was riding on the top of the car oh yeah uh, I don't remember how it crashed, but it did, uh, obviously, because it's crashed in this particular issue. I think the dialogue that the Shadow King spits out here about uh, Colossus killing Stevie Hunter and then also going to kill the professor is either the same as the last issue or it's slightly modified from the last issue. But it was in the last issue. Yeah, so the last issue, the professor's stand with Stevie standing amongst all of his corrupted uh, and, and passed out mutants. And that's when sort of an off-camera explosion occurs and Colossus appears from it. So it's, it's very strange. He is riding on top of a car. He tries to kill the professor. The car hits like a, like a 
embankment and goes careening off the side, explodes. So there we go. Now we're all caught up. That's what I happens. want an issue covering the 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 space between Colossus attacking Stevie Hunter and Stevie Hunter getting into a car and driving off and Colossus getting on the car <laughs> and her trying to like get him off of the car as he like pounds the top of the car. I want to see that. I want I want a full issue of that. I'm surprised there wasn't like a Marvel Tales or, or you know some some other you know six or seven page thing that Marvel tends to do to connect things. The story of Stevie Hunter with Colossus on the car. Yeah, lots of action there. Could be I don't know, or it could just be very boring. So Colossus leaps into action to enact the Shadow King's plan of killing Stevie Hunter and the Professor. But the professor uses his mind power to knock him down. There, that stopped him. What did you what do? What did you do? Yeah, and it's not entirely obvious what's happening. I I would have liked to have seen. So we see Colossus leaping into action, which is a good panel. I would have liked to have seen maybe like a side shot of him just kind of like dropping to the ground because well, he doesn't drop to the ground. He's frozen. He's yeah. frozen in mid action pose. Yeah. Okay, you're right. Because the next panel sort of shows him in silhouette or two-tone color, frozen. It just wasn't terribly obvious. I used my telepathic powers to interrupt Colossus's voluntary motor functions and induce a temporary paralysis. But now I'm going to go in your brain and the Shadow King's going to take advantage of me dividing my attention. No, and then... Why did I do that? And that's exactly what happens. And this was a little tricky to figure out what happens because they both get thrown up into the air, but then in the next panel... Colossus has ripped the ground out from underneath them. Oh! At first, I was like, "Did why is Stevie upside down? Did Colossus hit her? Shouldn't she be dead?" And then I saw that he was carrying something, and then I realized that oh, it's the ground. Weird, but okay, kind of makes sense. I also thought that Colossus had punched Stevie Hunter, and I was like, "Whoa, she'd be dead." But that okay, so he's. Pulled the ground up from underneath him, and that's all fine. Stevie Hunter is upside down. She's, like, flying through the air. Yow, she says. They both land. The professor is crouched on his knees, kind of, like, holding his arm, like, ouch, that really hurt. Looking at Stevie Hunter, who still appears like she's flying through the air. I feel like she's on the ground, and this is just a perspective shot. But, yeah, it does look like she's still flying through the air. I agree. I feel like the professor's kind of should be looking over her body, like, oh, Stevie, that didn't go as well as I thought. But the way it's drawn, like, the professor's knees are on one plane, and her back is on a completely different plane. I and guess the background this- behind her is blue. If it was, like, green and maybe there was some grass or some brown, I'll have to notify the ground that... Well, the other thing know. is, is that, like, you could even say, like, add in all of the elements you just mentioned, but her body is not at a perspective where she could be, like, laying on a hill, which would make more sense because her body is just like straight up and down. <laughs> well, maybe she is still flying through the air. I don't know. Uh, when she's like, young Petey, there ain't no slouch either in the power department, she says as she's flying through the air. <laughs> I, I don't I don't buy that. But maybe. Do tell. <laughs> and then she gets right up and she's like, all right, Professor, upsy-daisy. So it's, uh, that's the only panel where I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is weird. Yeah, it's a bit strange. But anyways, so they they run away. Uh, The professor's got access to the safety hatch to the danger room. The hatch is back. I love that hatch. 
Remember? Remember the hatch that I, got so much uh, screen time? I mean, the hatch is really to blame for Extinction Agenda, if you think about it. <laughs> so I feel like the hatch is a bigger villain than Magneto. Now, when the New Mutants came back for Kings of Vegas or whatever that annuals was called, Kings of Pain, mm-hmm. um, wasn't didn't they say that the hatch had changed? Like they that the access somebody changed the access codes. Mm-hmm. So apparently the professor has better access codes that probably overwrite all that, which is fine. Right. But he has no problem getting into the hatch. Right. I would have liked it if he was like, hmm, someone's changed the access codes. See annual Kings of Pain. Right. He, yeah, but he does mention, he's like, uh, well, as soon as we drop in there, the security systems ought to, ought to play a factor. But then yeah, he may- I didn't know what that was referring to. It wouldn't. It would have been nice if they had a like see this right. But it. He just says this is a mystery that we'll solve later. <laughs> a puzzle for another day. Yeah, hmm. No. Is that what J.J. <laughs> Abrams got that line? <laughs> Maybe. That's a story for another day. Um, I chalked it up to you know the the comings and goings of Cable and the New Mutants. Um, Probably disengaging. Also, hasn't Forge and company been here recently as well? No, I don't know. There's been a lot of people coming and going, so it would make sense that when they last were here, somebody was like, "I don't know." Like, Let's go. Don't. To be fair, the professor hasn't been here for a long time. That's true. So I think so it's a- it could it could be referring to anything between the time that he left <laughs> Earth and and now. I feel like. The subterranean uh, defense systems were a factor in something we've read in the last twenty episodes. Okay, maybe. whether it was I mean, whether it was Wolverine or uh, X Force or Forge and Company. The last time I remember them is when they faced off with Juggernaut. <laughs> Way back in issue yeah, what, well, sixteen, fifteen, thirteen. Yeah, maybe that's what he's referring to. <laughs> So they, uh, Professor says the only, or uh, Stevie says the only way to kill Colossus is to kill him. And the <laughs> Professor's like, logical. wow, that is only for the unimaginative Stevie. And since you mentioned it, and I'm saying it, you are unimaginative. <laughs> mm. What a jerk. I know. She's a dancer. She's got to be filled with creativity, you would think. We can dance him to death. <laughs> so the Professor engages a program, and it's the... Uh, scene we saw, I can't remember if it was classic X-Men or the pages of Uncanny X-Men, but they're basically in Cairo, sitting at the two tables. Uh, Shadow King is um, Amal Farouk, whatever his name is. I lived a lifetime in the form of Amal Farouk. The body served me well. Perhaps I grew too comfortable and too complacent. Perhaps that was the edge that allowed you to defeat me. So the Shadow King and Amal Farouk are not the same. I don't know if I ever realized that. And the show Legion wasn't very clear either. Oh, was the Shadow King in Legion? I don't know. I'd have to rewatch it. <laughs> um, and I never finished it either, so. I, I Is that what they're saying? Because I sort of felt like uh, Amal Farouk and the Shadow King were the same person until Amal Farouk was killed. And then the Shadow King kind of existed on the shadow, uh, the astral plane until he was able to find a new body to corrupt. 
So based on this issue, I'm thinking the Shadow King is an entity that just hops from body to body. And I think he was in Amel Farouk for a long time. I don't think he was born in Amel Farouk. I think he probably was in Amel Farouk for most of his life. Yeah, uh, I I guess rereading this dialogue, I guess I could... I lived a life, you already read that, a lifetime in the form of a malfruit, the body served well, perhaps I grew too comfortable, it gave me the edge. So, yeah, maybe maybe he was an entity, as you say, corrupted Amal Farouk when he was just a young man and was like, eh, this ain't so bad. I'm a big fat guy, enjoying life. Oops, I'm dead. It's weird, though, that he exists, as he says, on the astral plane for so long. My psychic... When my corporeal host died, my psychic essence survived on the astral plane. Tell me, Charles, will you be able to do the same? Didn't he also come back in the New Mutants and he took over Shan's body or something? Oh, gosh. I Sure. Remember when she was all fat? Yes, I do remember that. I don't remember if that was the Shadow King or not. I don't remember either. But the Shadow King had something to do with that storyline. Okay. Like, he may have taken, didn't he take over a rogue or something? I don't, this is all very vague. Chris Claremont's really been threading the needle on this whole Shadow King thing. It's probably killing him as he's writing this issue to be like, oh man, we're just going to end it? <laughs> Work so hard to like build up this whole thing. And I I, I don't know. I, I sort of wonder, and maybe we'll find out as we read, I doubt we'll find out, but as we read the, whatever that other alternate X-Men title is. No, I guess we won't find out. I'm, I'm wondering if there's a, a, a parallel universe in which uh, the superstar draw um, artists didn't come into play and Chris Claremont was able to have free reign because I think he would have gotten rid of Magneto and basically like all of your sort of legacy villains. And, like this would have been the new, the new thing that we would have dealt with for a long time. The Shadow King? Yeah. Maybe. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but because he spent so long, like threading this, this weaving this thing uh, in and out of New Mutants and X Men, and anyways, yeah, I, I, I could I could see that, you know, or maybe this was the culmination. Well, I mean, did, we know that he was like intending to write that War of the X Men. Oh, right, right, that's crossover right. thing that was supposed to be a Shadow King heavy. Uh, storyline right yep yep. and at this point i think he just he was like well i guess that's not happening that's that this is all i get so okay (laughs) make the best of it i can say that in the modern 2022 new mutants amel farouk has been resurrected and there is a storyline where they finally separate him from the shadow king huh so so amel farouk is a mutant Apparently, Amal Farouk is a mutant. Okay. I'm not sure what his mutant power is. Um, maybe it's something similar to the Shadow King, and that's why the Shadow King was. Maybe it was like maybe he's a telepath, like the Professor. Sure, maybe which would make sense why they were fighting in the astral plane. So Colossus enters the Danger Room simulation uh, and goes to kill the Professor, but it turns out the whole thing was just a simulation. To... What a sneaky little toad you've become, Charles, deceiving the master deceiver with a hologram. Any more surprises up your sleeve? <laughs> and that's when Colossus gets attacked by a giant goat head. And I'm like, what? <laughs> a goat head? Where do you see that? Look look behind Colossus. He gets oh. thrown upside down and there's a big goat behind him. It does look like, yeah, like a ram head or something. What is Those it? Ram horns. Why is it there? 
Uh, it's just this random uh, element uh, of the danger room. I'm trying. I like. I went back to previous panels to figure out if there was any setup for this goat. Yeah, wasn't. it's like a giant goat head scepter punching through the the ground. It's like uh, remember Skeletor had his oh, yeah. his big tall uh, staff with a goat head. It's <laughs> like he's attacked by a giant version of that. How gruesome! Did he ever have that in the show? I don't know. I don't think he did. Did he have it in the new Kevin Smith show? Uh, probably. Or any of the other reboots where we get to see Skeletor's face before it melts off? I don't know. The only reboot I've seen is the Kevin Smith one, which I think got too much uh, uh, internet hate. I think it's better than a lot of those folks gave it credit for. And it got renewed for a second season, so... I didn't realize it got any internet hate. Oh my gosh. Where it came to that show, I know very little. Uh, it, yeah, it was, you know, the internet. Yeah. Yeah, it's a terrible place. <laughs> I mean, place. I don't really know what's going on with the current internet hate on She-Hulk, I, but I think it was like that, but maybe even, you know, here's the spoiler. Tila is in this series more than He-Man is, uh, and, and I think the misogynistic internet forces were like, I, didn't, I don't want to watch Tila. It's called He-Man. <laughs> so I, I, don't I don't want to watch She-Hulk. I want to watch Hulk in a watch, show called She-Hulk. I want to watch Hulk, Hulk, not She-Hulk. <laughs> I know, I know. The internet was upset about some sort of dance sequence in uh, She-Hulk, which, after watching it, was like, seriously, come on. Yeah, I haven't. I don't think I've seen that. Well, I don't remember. It's she twerks, and I have either seen it and I didn't even process that it was a thing, or I just haven't seen that episode yet. Either way. Um, who cares? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. That, that's that's exactly that's exactly the correct response. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been saying that a lot lately. Who cares? <laughs> Come on, really? Uh, so, anyways, uh, the, or, uh, aside from the Colossus being punched away with this goat head uh, scepter thing, he's now uh, suspended in the air with a bunch of guns or machines pointed at him. I'm not sure what what's happening here. I thought there were machines, weird spiky machines. Yeah, but I also did not know what was going on. Weird spiky machines would make more sense cuz I don't feel like the professor's going to have a bunch of guns. I well, don't know. I guess weird spiky machines are maybe the thing that's holding him in the air or is he falling? Oh, I don't know cuz he's he's in this position for a couple of panels so I feel like for a while here he is suspended, so maybe he's got like some mag- magnet contraption. But then Colossus, uh, Colossus punches through one of the machines uh, and is able to get free and jump into the control room uh, to destroy Stevie. It should be noted that the professor is narrating this entire issue, and I, wasn't he narrating the last issue too? So this is a very professor-heavy centric. Yeah. Uh, four-part series although i suspect with chris claremont leaving it will no longer be narrated by the professor it could be that or i wonder if you know as they're trying to bring uh, you know they're, they're trying to close all the loose ends so they can do their blue blue team gold team x-men number mm-hmm. one and so I, I almost wonder if this is just a way to have the professor sort of reintroduced to potentially new audience members who have, have maybe bought on to the x-men hype 
they've heard of this Jim Lee guy. They've heard of this, you know, all these cool artists and they're, they're starting to collect these issues. Um, and you know, with comics, you're always coming in sort of midway. So I kind of feel like a lot of this is like, this is who the professor is. He's the founder of the school. These are all of his students. Blah, 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 he's blah. he's a tough guy. He is a tough he's a, guy here. He's a badass. Yeah. So Colossus holds Stevie up by his throat, and then the professor jumps out to get the jump on Colossus, and it's almost like he's trying to choke Colossus out, which is the, the crazy. main reason that I'm I'm pointing out his narration is because his narration leads up to explain what it is the professor's doing. Right. He sees Colossus uh, subverting his plan of. Uh, jumping into the the danger room and he jumps on his back and he uses his mental powers to do a a blazing burning blinding glance into a world brimful of miasmic shadows i plunge deep into his mind inside and he i guess he is able to overpower the shadow king's control of colossus and he discovers that uh he discovers Peter Rasputin, or Peter Nicholas, rather, mm-hmm. and he he strips away Peter Nicholas and returns Peter Rasputin back to Colossus, which uh, overwhelms Peter's psyche and knocks him unconscious. Yeah, I sort of took it as uh, the Shadow King had corrupted Peter Nicholas, Yeah, but... Uh, Peter Rasputin still buried deep down in there. So by stripping away, essentially killing Peter Nicholas, uh, the Shadow King's hold is is no more. This is just a very convenient way of removing Peter Nicholas from Colossus. I agree. I I, th- I, I truly think that when Chris Claremont wrote the whole Siege Perilous thing, it was his way of being able to give finality to characters, right? Because, you know, mm-hmm. a long time ago, he wanted to, like, thanks, Cyclops, for all you've done. Have a good life with Madeline Pryor. You're done. And I think he wanted to do the same thing with Dazzler and Rogue um, and uh, and Peter Rasputin. He's like, well, he's been here for a while. He's always been sort of a conflicted child. Let's give him a happy ending. He's now an artist living in New York. He's got a beautiful girlfriend. Uh, he's done. But I I suspect here that Jim Lee and Davian Assisi are like, I don't know, we need him for the gold team. So uh, I don't know what you're doing with this whole Peter Nicholas thing, but uh, <laughs> let's let's get it out of there. Because this whole thing has been just so rapid. Like, there was an issue in which he was Peter Nicholas, we had a little adventure, and then he kind of walked off into the sunset. He had a couple of cameos, which is neat and other things. He was following that lady around for yeah. a while. But uh, Who ended up being Callisto, right? Yes. It's like a reborn Callisto, uh, which had something to do with Mask. And I don't yeah, remember Mask why. had made her beautiful and she hated being beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Cause Whatever it, happened to that? Oh, that, that's gone. I think. I mean, we'll have to keep our eyes open for it. But yeah, yeah that's how we see Callisto. What is she going to be? Yeah. But the whole point, I think, was her being beautiful was, was sort of taking away from her ability to be like, you know, powerful and strong uh, yeah, and independent. Yeah. Torture for her to be right. like that. So this this whole like let's get rid of Peter Nicholas just feels uh, rushed and unearned. It, it feels shoehorned in like they're yes. like oh by the way Peter Nicholas is the key to re- restoring Colossus back to Peter Rasputin. And if you're a new reader, you're like what is happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> Who Peter? I what's going on? So anyways, I shatter those locks, tear down the walls. 
bring Colossus once more to a full awareness of who he is and who and what he is, the process banishing all hold the Shadow King has on him. The shock is more than anybody should have to endure. Okay. Or I think uh, bitterly have to inflict. So I think the biggest travesty of all of this, setting aside the, the death of Peter Nicholas, is that when Colossus changes back to Peter Rasputin, he has blue pants on. But he didn't have blue pants on when he was Colossus. That's just a coloring snafu. No, because those blue pants will be there for the rest of the issue. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. he's only in like one or two more panels, but he'll have his blue pants. Maybe Mr. Fantastic made these blue pants for him. Unstable molecules. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Unstable molecules is the solution to everything. I And so I couldn't... Um, Why doesn't the MCU have unstable molecules yet? I guess because they don't have the Fantastic Four. Yeah, I think that'll definitely, like, as soon as they do their first Fantastic Four movie with him stretching, somebody's going to ask, how do you do that? How do you close to that? Well, you see, Unstable molecules. I've designed unstable molecules. They're molecules that are unstable. So <laughs> I, the other thing I felt here, and I don't know if this was intentional, is there's, a, there's another line in here where Professor says, uh, he's way stronger than I ever remember him being, which is something we saw, you know, from the outcome of, uh, what happened with the mutant massacre. Uh, I felt like this is maybe a rebooting of his character because in this panel and in a future panel, he'll basically look like classic uh, uh, Peter Rasputin. It's a classic costume that we haven't seen him in since 1987. So I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that's what I took away from this panel and, and uh, upcoming uh, subsequent panel. It makes sense with what they're planning to do. Anyways, the Shadow King, he's just like, man, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> we learn that the body of that the the Shadow King is possessing currently is is a dead body. Yeah. So he's in a corpse and he is animating a corpse, which is kind of interesting. He has to, yeah, and it's kind of a neat idea. So he would be more powerful in the battle that he just had, but he has to he has to split his own concentration between keeping this body functional while trying to control all these other um, aspects of what's happening. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, so Lian Shen, who is the doctor from way back when, uh, who now dresses in a cool Dr. Strange cloak um, and some fishnets, uh, she says, you need a new host. And I'm not sure if she's, I don't know. She, I, I guess she has something planned. And I feel like she's going to betray him at some point. I got that sort of feeling, but I actually don't remember how this story plays out. So I don't either. The Shadow King does say that he has several candidates in mind. The question yeah. is who will be best to serve the position, uh, purposes. He's also lamenting the fact that as an FBI aide to Valerie Cooper, who serves the president's advisory on human affairs, uh, he would lose that type of access. So right. that's kind of neat. Which is nice that he brings up Valerie Cooper, who we still think is dead. Oh, that's right. She exploded. Yeah. <laughs> so keep that thread open. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, I w sort of thought or wondered, like, why doesn't the Shadow King just take over this, this, uh, this <laughs> his sidekick lady? Yeah, I, I thought that was the intention. It's like, <laughs> you need a new host. Here take I am. me. Yeah. But no, she's she seems to be laying some sort of... Like, I don't know. She seems like she's got a plan. Yeah. It may or may not be 
serving the Shadow King. I'm not sure yet. Yep, same. Agreed. <clears throat> Meanwhile, on uh, Mir Island, uh, Wolverine, Jubilee, and Gambit are are grumpily arguing with one another. It took me a minute to, I guess, realize that they're under the corruption of the Shadow King. Yeah, no, I mean, initially, well, initially, we don't know. Last we saw these characters, weren't they unconscious? Yeah, they're all passed out. Now they're kind of so, like crawling through the brush. Uh, so we don't even know what's going on. Right. Um, and I'm not sure if we're supposed to be confused or if we're supposed to think, oh, maybe these guys escaped somehow. But yeah, they immediately start attacking each other. Gambit right. uh, punches, punches Jubilee. Jubilee. Jubilee's head crashes into a rock, but she's up like a shot. And she's like, I'm going to uh, shove fireworks down your mouth. And then uh, Gambit smacks her again with a, I don't futuristic staff weapon of some sort. Which he just kind of has. Yeah. Whacks her across the From nowhere. Oh, and it's got like a spiky thing. Uh, He draws a little bit of blood on her forehead. And she's like, just like I told your boyfriend. Bang, you did. Oh, and the other thing, uh, I don't think we get it so much here. But as we go through, the dialogue out of Gambit is just awful. So maybe that's the Fabian (laughs) Uziesa. He, like Chris Claremont wouldn't write all of the the affectations in Gambit. So I don't know if maybe Macias is like, I'm going to rewrite this page. <laughs> it's it's somewhat confusing, too, because uh, like uh, Wolverine says the hunt is on and I am in no mood to be the prey. And then Gambit says like, that's so home. Change of pace. I be seeing you on the side of the winners. No. And I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Change of pace. I be seeing you. On the side of the winners, no? And then uh, it took me like 30 minutes. Well, no, not really. Probably more like a minute to be like, oh, he's saying that normally Wolverine is on the side of the losers, but now he's on the side of the winners. That was a really complex way of saying that, and it's not good. Yeah. The next one, so Jubilee takes off. She's like, I don't want to hang out with you guys. You guys are mean, and she takes off. Yeah, Wolverine stops Gambit from killing her, which is nice of him. Gambit says... Yeah, afraid, no? Fight the fight, stalk the big game. Shadow King says play things be hunting for fun. You to say and people gonna die? <laughs> I'm like, this is where Jar Jar's dialogue came from. You say no, you afraid, hey? I'm like, I, he doesn't talk like that. You afraid, hey? Yeah. 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 I, don't know. I, I, I just skimmed over that and like, it's not. I don't know what's going on, so I'm, I skimmed it. And I don't know if that's supposed to be like a, yeah. Afraid, hey, or you afraid, like ya, which should be Y A apostrophe, but that uh, was very confusing. You afraid, no? Fight the fight? Stock the big game? Yeah, he's just talking in. It's in, gibberish. In nonsense. Fight the fight? <laughs> he's Maybe he's singing a song. Fight the fight! Stock the big game! Shadow King says play things be hunting for fun! <laughs> you say, no, you afraid, hey? <laughs> it kind of falls apart there uh, in, in, in the, the second line there. But yeah, yeah, yeah you, you, know, you might be onto something there. I, I probably should have worked the shop that before <laughs> I attempted it. But, you know. Whatever. Uh, anyways, he throws some charged. They're not cards uh, because Wolverine says, next time you try tossing psychic charged knives at me, you better be prepared to back it up with more than a grin. Be a sure bet, home. Is it oh, homie? 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 I'll go with homie. 
I thought it, I think he's speaking French, so it's home. Home? I think it just means man. Sure. But I don't know. It's been a while since I've had to do French. I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna just assume he's saying homie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's the early '90s, spelled so. that way. No, but <laughs> I'm just gonna assume that it is. Wolverine gets away from Gambit and reveals that he is struggling to keep the bloodlust away, and he knows that the Shadow King's in his brain. That's when Forge jumps is out, uh, jumps out of the shadows and uh, knocks him over. But then Wolverine gets the better of him and is about to put the old snickety snicked into his brain. But uh, Forge puts some little, I don't know, circuitry on Wolverine's brain unit, his head, head, (laughs) his brain holder. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for you to rejoin the land of the living. Sorry about that. Yeah, so he's knocked out, and uh, Forge is like, well, I didn't want to do that, but this will protect him from the Shadow King's influence, uh, so I'm just going to hang out with him until he wakes up, and that's when Rogue shows up. You're right, this does feel more like Fabian Nicieza. The neurosynaptic buffer I whipped up does a spiffy job of blocking out the Shadow King's telepathic wavelengths. Yeah, but it's hurt, hurts worse than slipping on a pair of shoes three sizes too small. Yeah, Chris Claremont wouldn't write any of that. I don't. I don't. I mean, we could be wrong, but I don't think so. Forge would, I feel, speak uh, more technically uh, technical, and uh, I think just a little bit more eloquently. But, anyways. But by the way, the art through here is pretty awesome. It's consistently good. It's good. So Rogue jumps in. She's also out of character. She says. The answer to that one's easy, sugar. That's all good. You die. Uh, mm, mm. <laughs> a noble sacrificial lamb in the master's hollowed hunt. That's fine. But you die is not something Rogue would say. Forge is very surprised and he yells out, Rogue? Rogue? <laughs> I don't know. It's got a question mark and an exclamation point. It's difficult to pronounce that one, but he, he shouts it. <laughs> He's very surprised. He wants a... Uh, she is the last person he expected to see. Yeah, exactly. This would be more appropriate if it was like the professor showing up. <laughs> Although I don't, Forge doesn't actually even know who the professor is, I don't think. Maybe he just didn't realize Rogue was on the island. Maybe. Or maybe he didn't know she was a part of the hunt because she was there before everybody else. Maybe he thinks that Rogue is still dead. No, that could be. So this is the first time since he learned that Rogue died that he has seen her. And he does have a bit of a history with her having attempted to zap her powers away. Well, building the gun that zaps her powers away. Right, yeah. Did Forge fire that gun? It was Valerie Cooper that fired the gun. I thought Forge fired the gun. I don't remember. And and, uh, hit Storm instead of Rogue. I don't remember. I don't think so. Okay. But I could be wrong. I don't remember. Uh, He says, fight it. Fight the Shadow King's uh, control. And she's like, this is what I want. Anger. Venom. I don't want to touch the heart of evil. Do you know what this is like? More than you can ever know, girl. Which I don't know. Sorry, child. I don't understand that bit of dialogue where he says more than you can ever know. It's referring to the Vietnam War that, you know, everything basically forges backstory. Okay, that's fine then. I like that. But uh, you don't leave me much choice. Say goodbye to your master. And he, he blasts her with what I have to assume is the power... Uh, stealing gun. I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't I feel. Think so yeah, I feel like this is the same thing that was put on Wolverine's head, but just in gun form, which just means 
Yeah, Forge, he can do it. He's 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 got uh, Shadow King preventing grenades and uh, <laughs> whatever else. <laughs> yeah, whatever, he needs. whatever you need for your Shadow King preventing needs. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm thinking maybe the most effective is the uh, circuitry on the head. So and that's why he used that with Wolverine, but he didn't get a chance to put that on Rogue. So he's got the backup gun. I guess the maybe the grenades come later. <laughs> I don't know. It It's weird. It seems to come out of nowhere. Speaking of coming out of nowhere, we come back to uh, Salem Center where I guess the professor, Colossus, and Stevie have walked from the school into town, which they say is like a few miles. Yep. And then the townsfolk are trying to kill a little boy. And uh, that, yeah. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a black boy. And so they're saying, die, go home, go back to Africa. So... Uh, oh yeah, it's very racist. I just didn't realize that reading through this this time. Yeah, yeah, I did yeah. Not, the only, I mean, the only racist part is to go back to Africa, which I didn't see the first time. Well, it's a bunch of white guys chasing uh, a, a black child, and it goes back to the first part of the story where they're talking about like all like AIDS and the protests and everything. So, right, right. Shadow King is amping up people's these people's sort of uh, innate or whatever uh, uh, biases to fever pitch and so now it even looks like there's a police officer chasing um this poor boy i also didn't realize they were all white guys because they're some of them are in shadow yeah so yeah i i missed a lot of what was going on here i suppose <laughs> so yeah but what but- i didn't miss is the fact that they saved this boy and i'm pretty sure this boy is never going to show up again so i would just want to know i need an issue what do they do to prevent this boy from like to just drop him off somewhere. Well, it, somewhere somewhere safe. It's a weird <laughs> thing. I think the whole point of this is to show that the Shadow King's uh, influence is not just over Muir Island and some of the the mutants. It's it's pervasive everywhere, most everywhere. But I'm fine with it. But yeah. I want the boy to stay with them for the next two issues. Yeah, well, and I don't want him to say anything because he doesn't say anything in this whole sequence so i just want him to not say anything and just always be with them just kind of looking at things sure the other and that would be great if like this issue and the last issue were narrated by the professor It'd be great if the rest of it was all narrated by this boy you sure but it's not um well, the other weird thing is that you know they the professor yells at these guys he doesn't i don't think he uses his telepathic powers or maybe he is but he's like what madness has come over you and then the the shadow king shows up and he's like oh watch out uh this is my dream take over the world and make everybody angry and you still have this sort of angry mob waving their clubs and brandishing their guns shadow king shows the professor his 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 x-men lying dying at each other's hands uh then the professor's like no we have to go find x-factor but meanwhile where did the mob go? Yes. <laughs> the mob is just gone. That's a good point. The professor didn't like freeze them telepathically. At least we don't get any indication that he's frozen them telepathically. And then the other weird thing is the professor is kind of hunched over by the boy. And he's, no, no, no. And we, we have to, thankfully the child's unhurt. He stands up. We see him at eye level with the, with Colossus and says, we will not surrender Peter. And then we get a panel of him just like hunching over in classic, like downtrodden in the rain superhero pose. We need the help of X Factor. 
which means he turned away from Colossus, <laughs> little boy, and Stevie just to do this pose, this flexing pose. It's comics pose. and it looks cool. That's it. <laughs> but it doesn't make any sense. This panel becomes a lot more impactful, in my opinion, if it's a flat shot of all four of those characters kind of standing next to each other, maybe looking up into the sky a little bit, into the rain, and saying, like, this has got to end, we, we have to got to go back to the founding of the X-Men, i got to find my first students, we need the help of X-Factor. It's not dramatic enough. I, it would be so much more impactful, though, <laughs> in my because this is just, maybe my kid, my teenage self was like, ugh. I, I doubt it, though. <laughs> but as an adult... Wow, like, he's very serious looking. He's not, though. It looks like he's <laughs> like really trying hard to, 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 to take a dump there. It's just <laughs> like, oh, God. But first, I got to stop eating so much fiber. You got to point out this. Uh, he's got a serious eyebrow game going on in the no-no panel. Oh, yeah. It's a, he's really... Uh, I mean, you know... That's classic, his, his, though. His eyebrows have always been kind of crazy, but this is... This is a new, new crazy. It's very, they're very bushy now. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned for X Factor sixty nine, and then come back here next month for the exciting conclusion. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for the conclusion. No joke. So that takes us to Wolverine number uh, forty, fifty, forty two, forty two. I think. Yeah. And the reason we're covering a Wolverine is because Wolverine has gone bi monthly. So. In order to keep up, we got to throw a Wolverine at the end of an X-Men. Do Sylvester and Green do it twice a month, or do they have... I wonder if there's a guest artist for next issue. Uh, well, they have they did the last issue, and they do this issue, so I guess... I think there might be a, there might be a guest artist next issue, although I can't recall, but yeah. It's a it's a fun cover. I like the uh, the perspective of the buildings and everything. Yeah, they're in a helicopter, I guess, or, or cables trying on a ladder hanging out of a color. classic movie thing. Cables on the ladder hanging out of a helicopter, holding Wolverine, who is holding, well, not hold, who's who's being held by Sabretooth, who is being held by LCD. Uh, everything about all of these characters looks great, except for Cable and Wolverine's feet. Yeah, Wolver Wolverine's face isn't terrific either. Yeah. Dan <laughs> Sylvester, or Dan Green, uh, Alan Silvestri, I feel like, has been taking feet lessons from Rob Mark Lysel. Silvestri. Mark Silvestri. From, yeah, from Air, for, from, from, from John Liefeld. <laughs> from Rob Liefeld? <laughs> Who? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, th this is how he's always drawn feet, so. Is it? it yeah. Oh, I I felt like he did better than this on feet, but maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong. They look like, huh, they're bad. They're really bad I mean, feet. they're always shaped that way. Usually they're the right size, though. I think part of the problem is that cables seem too long and Wolverine's. Seem too also long. Also, seem too long. <laughs> I mean, the the kind of Doctor Susie. Yeah, yeah. They, I get like an elf, like a like a big footed or a, a um, sideshow Bob vibe off of these feet. But the other thing is, like the rest of the character models are, are very like uh, dynamic and filled out and and have like a depth because they're very well inked and shadowed. And then you get to the feet, and it's like, well, here's some flat things that we're going to call feet. <laughs> but. Uh, Anyhow, I think, if you, if, I think if you made these feet the right size, you'd be okay. It's oh, yeah. just the fact that they're a little too long. 
That could and be. I think these are generally the shape of Silvestri's feet. Okay. Not his personal feet, but the, the feet that he draws. We're talking about Rick Silvestri, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. Dan Silvestri and Mark Green. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so it's a good issue. Yeah. It just continues the uh, in the Morlock sewer tunnels story from last time where Sabretooth just revealed that he was Wolverine's dad, and Wolverine doesn't believe him, and they're fighting and drowning at the same time. And Cable doesn't want to blow open the lock to save their lives because he doesn't really like Wolverine. So LCD has to take matters into her own hands and take her head off and throw it at, Wolver- at uh, Cable's head and then steal his gun and then just shoot the gun everywhere. This this issue's bonkers, but it's fun. Uh, it, it sort of shouldn't work, but... It's it does it really does and it's nonstop which is nice. There's like a lull in the middle, and where it, they kind of relax, but then they pick it right back up where it's just like action, action, action. Yeah, but it's good action. It's like I don't know. It's it's more fun than it should be. Yeah, and we I talked about that. I praised it last time around just for all these interconnected things happening sort of simultaneously. You're still. Got the Morlocks are still trying to deal with like the flooding tunnels and well we got to open this gate we got to close this gate this gate's backing up and all of that's playing into like what's happening with a fight with Cable and Wolverine and LCD uh, and and Sabretooth um, and ultimately through sort of happenstance and luck the Morlocks do a thing to save themselves which um, allows some of the the garbage or whatever to flow through but that causes yet another problem where. Yeah, LCD has basically got to sacrifice herself to clear a space so that Wolverine can escape. Yeah, she blows up some gears, which will allow the uh, the gates to open, which will allow everybody to clear through. However, she doesn't completely sacrifice herself because she has managed to isolate the explosion part of herself. She's, she can control it now in the yep. sense that she can make her body blow up. But right. as long as she detaches her head, her her brains will still be in her head. Yep. So she does that. And now they're, they're running around with a head. <laughs> yeah. Wolverine's not happy about this. No, he doesn't want her to sacrifice herself. He's very sad about this whole thing. Uh, but yeah, she ends up blowing her body up. Her head's still, still around. Nick Fury and the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicopter show up because uh, Forge called in a favor uh, because... Jubilee was like, I can't give up on Wolverine, even though Forge was kind of ready to. So he called in a bunch of favors. So he got shield there. And it's a good thing because those guys pop out and they uh, pull everybody in, including Sabretooth and LCD's head. Wolverine's like, yeah, don't worry about it. He does reference the professor. He's like, Forge or the professor will figure something out. So I don't know where this puts us in the timeline. I also don't think it really matters. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Uh, she's like, well, about all of that, uh, I only have a few minutes left on my batteries because I can't do any recharging. Yeah. So this is probably going to be goodbye. Sabretooth gets loose in the middle of this tender movement, ramping the action back up, knocking Wolverine to the side and trying to shove him out the uh, helicopter. And he's trying to rip his throat out. But then LCD bites Sabretooth's throat and... The Cable and Jubilee are able to push Sabretooth out, and uh, they keep, even Jubilee is like, let go, LCD, but she won't let go. They push Sabretooth out into the water. LCD is still attached. Wolverine feels pretty sad about that. They disappear for a minute, 
Yeah. But he also says, like, this is the way she wanted to do the last thing. Or I guess that's what Nick Fury's saying. Yeah. Let her go. And Wolverine reluctantly. You can see it in his face. He's just like, oh, you're right. I'm not happy about this. But it's got it's the way it is. It's the way it has to be. The scientists in the S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, helicopter had taken blood samples of everybody. And they are able to confirm that Sabretooth is, in fact, not Wolverine's father. Whew. <laughs> but Nick Fury... Nick Fury says he really thought he was your pappy, Logan. And uh, that's a story that I don't know ever gets resolved. Logan's like, you knew? You never told me? What's the whole story? And Nick's like, well, I don't know. But, you know, it's, it's a top secret. Maybe one day we'll tell you. Here's a cigar. <laughs> Which is weird. Uh, but before all of that happens, Sabretooth and LCD go flying or you know, into the water, floating downward. Sabretooth's getting ready to crush the LCD as sort of like a revenge. But Albert shows up and slashes at Sabretooth, uh, catches LCD. Talk about your coincidences. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, no, it's, it's again, great. it shouldn't work, but it does. Uh, and he hooks her up to that airplane, the stealth bomber. Yeah. Given her a jolt of electricity, which wakes her back up. To be continued. Yeah. So it's fun, exciting stuff. It was the highlight of my comics week back in 1990s. I never read any of this stuff. This was before I was reading X-Men. I was this, Ghost Rider, Gru. Gru's always fun. Uh, I would have bought this... Uh... No, I wouldn't have bought this. I never owned this issue. Uh, I would have bought these X-Men issues as probably back issues. Right about now, I think you and I are talking, and I'm like, yeah, I used to collect comics. I think this is past that, because we, I think this is when we're going to Norwood regularly. Could be. Because I think, or maybe not, because I think I picked up the previous issue at the Messina Mall, but I had been collecting Wolverine for a while. The the yeah I don't I, I was don't. subscribed to Wolverine for a while oh. yeah I don't remember uh, the these uh, last few X Men issues uh, strike no nostalgia or or memories of you know Saturday afternoons going through my box of comics rereading them definitely by the time we get to issue one of X Men we're going to Messine uh, oh yeah Nor Norwood regularly yep yep good times. Good times. Great do, oldies. Do, do, do. Good times. So no 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 emails this week. No, no there might have been. Well I, none I that did. we none that we aggregated. Yeah, I did nothing that I collated. But if you would like to reach out to us, you may do so at xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast at danger room go. Email us danger room at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes or wherever you subscribe to podcasts to like and subscribe and all that jazz. And go out to patreon.com slash danger room to check out our, well, our Patreon exclusive related coverage, which has been dormant for the last couple of weeks, but it'll come back soon. Yeah, we're coming back with a with a bang or something. I don't yeah. Know. Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. Adam, do you have just a couple of minutes? <laughs> sure. What's up? <laughs> Before we shut this down, and, and just because it's, it's fresh on my mind, and it, it's a little bit of a teaser about what we do on the Patreon, uh, I wanted to resurface a conversation that we had on the Patreon a couple of months back. Would that be okay with you, Adam? Okay. What are we talking about? Metroid. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's very random, but to catch people up who are not subscribed to uh, the Patreon, we had talked about Metroid Dread. I had some it's a fun game and everything. I had some complaints about how it really just held your hand and kind of like, you're going this way. You can't go any other way. Whereas in Super Metroid, there seemed to be a little bit more uh, illusion of choice, even though the game is pretty well designed to kind of push you into the right direction. Uh, I, I, You started talking about Metroid, and I was like, eh. I got nostalgia for Metroid, the original Metroid, but it's so obtuse and so difficult. And I feel like it's just, it's just buggy and it doesn't make any sense. And you disagreed with me, and you're like, no, it's like if you play it, uh, you know, it's pretty good. And then you actually, I think you played a whole bunch of it, and you're like, yeah, I know, it all came back to me. I was able to get pretty far into it, uh, probably before. It's very you're... helpful. I, I definitely had maps. Yeah. Because so, uh, I, I don't think you should play it without maps. No. So I recently completed Castlevania Four, which is a game I hadn't completed in a long time, and it, it sort of gave me a resurfacing or a, an itch to do some more uh, retro gameplay. And I was like, you know what? Uh, Adam says Metroid is not as obtuse as I think it is. I had also watched a YouTube video of a guy who was responding to another guy who was basically saying like. Don't bother with Metroid. Just play Super Metroid and all the rest of them. That, that's all you need to do. And, and the response video was basically like, no, 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 Like, take a step back. Play Metroid. And it's like, all right, you know what? Play Metroid. And I, without any maps, without any internet, uh, I'm not going to say I beat it. I'm not going to say I even got halfway through the game. But I was able to do a lot more things than I had ever done just because I was like, you know what? Um, uh there's a sequence of things that you need to do to be able to make any sort of progress. Uh, and it is a lot of like going forward in order to go backwards in order to get the thing to go a little bit further forward in order to get some more things, you know, to, to do. And I got pretty far through it and I was like, you know what, uh, this, this is actually less obtuse uh, than I recall it being great. <laughs> so, uh, with that, I was like, you know what? I, I made it this far without any help. I was playing the classic cartridge on the classic system. Oh, so wow. I, I didn't have save states. I didn't have any rewind. Uh, at, you know, I, I started thinking, well, all right, I know that there's, there's the various suit and those are the high jump boots and there's a wave gun. Like, where are these things? Uh, which led me to maps. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I looked at the maps. I'm like, these are a lot smaller then in my head that game actually is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but if you play that game with a without a map, it's like it's just it seems like it's just never ending and it seems like you're sort of looping back on yourself because everything looks very similar. Uh, but once you get that map, you're like, "Oh, okay, I just go up here, go here, I got I got bomb that." Go, okay, and then I got all this stuff and now I can go back down to here and I can get these missiles and the energy tanks, I can go kill Kraid, I can go kill Raid, Ridley. Uh, so then I switched over to the Switch version just because it was like, all right, I want to play it in like higher quality, uh, have the ability to do some save states, have the ability to do rewind. I'll be mm. honest, I only rewound once. Nice. There's an area in which uh, if you fall into uh, between two columns into some lava, you are just stuck, <laughs> period. And I, I, I even looked it up. I was like, how do you get out of here? Every video was like, you don't, don't fall in there. You're just stuck. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't, you can't like roll into a ball. You can't, there's no blocks to bomb. You can't high jump out of it. You are just stuck. Uh, and this is before wall jumping and all that sort of stuff. So that's where I rewound. It's like, well, geez, you know, I've got like you know, my various suit. I've got three, 
the worst thing is to like have to start over and have to try to refill all those energy bars because you're basically getting five points of life every time. Uh, so like, ah, the hell with it. So I rewound right before that fatal jump and, and made it the rest of the way through. And then, uh, yeah, using the map, I was like, all right, well, this is easy. <laughs> yeah, the maps are the maps are essential. Yeah, I think. Uh, so I beat it last night uh, for the first time. I shouldn't say that. Uh, the first time I beat Metroid, uh, I used Justin Bailey, <laughs> which uh-huh. I think starts you. It starts you with everything. and I think it starts you fully powered up uh, right in the final stage. So all you got to do is just get some other brain and shoot it a whole bunch. Which is fairly challenging still. It's it is. Uh, and so this time around, I didn't have a full complement of missiles. I think I was missing one energy tank maybe even two energy tanks. Uh, it took me probably three tries. Then I had to watch a YouTube video. I'm like, why? I just keep dying when I like, I can't make it. Like, why? And uh, yeah, the trick was like, you got to freeze those little Cheerio things and then yeah. you got to shoot them. I was like, oh, okay. I, I probably, and that's the thing I was thinking about. I was like, as a kid, you would have had all of the time in the world to be like, all right, let's try this. Or somebody at school would be like, oh yeah, you just freeze those. Or maybe right. you read it in Nintendo Power of like, Having problems with Mother Brain? That that was the Freeze thing the about the, the, the game is that you're probably, as a kid, you're playing the heck out of this thing. Right. And you're probably making your own maps or at least making your own mental maps. And you're probably a... bombing all the walls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Trying everything. Well, and that's what I did eventually. It was like – because you can compl- – and the other neat thing about it that um, I, I sort of get now – is there's no right way to play the game. Like, you never need to get the various suit, the wave gun. You might actually even... Is it required to have the high jump boots? I don't even think it's required to have the high jump boots. I would imagine that some of those things are almost impossible to find without maps. Because this would be one of the drawbacks of the game, is that you literally have to try bombing every wall right. in order to really find all of the things. Until you get the wave gun. The wave gun will... It's, it's, yeah, it's that's a wider true. shot. The, and the wave gun does open everything up. Helps reveal all those hidden blocks. Um, uh, oh, and then the other thing that I didn't realize, because as I was playing through it this time around, prior to looking at maps, prior to looking up anything on the internet, just trying to like, how far can I get on just my own uh, memory or, or skill? I got to... Uh, I, I can't remember what the lands are called, but it, all of the screens, like you would go into a door and it would look just like the last place you were at. <laughs> and then you'd, you'd come, you'd wrap around. And I was like, is this like one of those? Because in Nintendo terms, you're trained to expect. So I think there's a, a stage in Legend of Zelda, Legend of Zelda 2, uh, uh, Super Mario Brothers, where if you don't take the right paths, you're just looping back on yourself. So as a video game person growing up with NES, you're just trained to like... Uh, uh, Metal Gear has the same thing. Like if you go into like one of the first stages, if you take left, right, you, you just keep looping around on the same screen right. to do a very, very specific path in order to get out of that. Uh, so when you're playing Metroid and you're seeing all these repeating screens, you're like, ah, shoot, I'm stuck in some... Like I got to go like forward, backward, up, down or something like that. I got to figure out like what the combo is. And the reality is, as I'm looking at the map, is like, no, it's <laughs> like you could draw your own map. These these are the same screens. These are the exact same elements, yeah. uh, but they're actually going to different locations. And once once that clicked, I was like, okay, well, then then I don't have to worry about wasting my time going through looping environments. 
The other thing I realized as I looked at the map, there there are specific places in the game that solely exist to waste your time. <laughs> there's one area where there's like a ton of doors, a ton of different level or rooms, but there's no missiles, there's no power-ups, and there's no energy tanks. There's no reason to go into those areas. <laughs> but as a kid, as you're exploring, of course, you're going to open up all those doors and eventually get to a point where you're like, well, there's nothing up here. All right. And there is a time element to the game where depending on how quickly you finish the game, you get different endings. I so, did not get one of the best. I think I got the worst ending. Yeah, I think I did too. Which reveals that Samus is a woman. But No, I think that that's, uh, that's well, one of the better endings. The, the worst ending is that you're, you're just in your suit. Okay. So I was in so the you, suit. You might have got a slightly better ending. Though. Yeah, I might. So I was in the suit with no helmet. The best ending is Samus wears a bikini for some reason. So I was which is just ridiculously weird. I was <laughs> thinking about this, and uh, I'm sure it was in Nintendo Power of like, did you know that there are multiple endings to uh, Metroid? And then they probably classified them as worst, better, and best because I think there's four different endings. And you don't get different dialogue. It's not like no. in the worst ending is like, well, you did a pretty good job and things might be better. Whereas the best ending is like, you defeated everything and everything's awesome. It, the best ending is literally like you get to see a girl in a bikini. <laughs> and it's like, whoa. It was the, it was the late 80s, <laughs> early 90s. Right. And the second best ending is she's not in a bikini, but she's in a one-piece bathing suit. <laughs> uh, it's like, wow. I think, uh, oh, well, there's two things. Um, so, so, so that's weird, uh, and and I guess maybe very Japanese. Although I don't want to be uh, stereotypical, but it's weird to call like the bikini reveal as the best uh, ending. Um, there's a way to restart the game, and I don't know if it's like you get one of those two better endings, and you get to play the game over again without the suit. Same power ups. I don't think you're, you're weaker, but you're basically playing as samus i think in her one piece yeah i've 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 done that before I've, i think there was a code that justin bailey does do that for you okay justin bailey does do that okay yeah uh but i think if you play it under like two hours or something like that then you can restart the game without the samus suit you're as uh, yeah samus I, woman i think that is correct the other thing i didn't realize though is uh, i beat the game and i don't know if this is a condition because i didn't get the worst ending but i was i was able to start the game over again with all of my power-ups 30 energies no missiles so then you could play the game again, focusing only on getting missiles uh, and energy tanks. I'm sure you still have to kill Ridley and Kraid. But I was like, well, that's neat. Yeah. That's definitely going to change the game. I didn't realize that that's, I don't know if that... It, it's probably slightly harder, too, because usually in Nintendo games, when there's a second time around, the second time is usually harder than the first time. Maybe. I only played... I know, I know Zelda did that. Yeah, yeah, he had the master quest uh, in Zelda. I only played a few stages; it all looked exactly the same, except you know I had the the uh, uh, what's it called the uh, screw attack, uh, and that's another thing is like you don't actually need, like I said, you don't need the various you don't need the screw attack. So you could you could challenge yourself and say like, all right, I'm gonna get, I, I think you need thirty missiles to kill Mother Brain, so I'm gonna go get. Oh, I, I think you end up just with 150 because Ridley and Craig give you 75 each. So you you could just say, I'm going to go do those two things, get the ice beam and and one or two energy tanks and, and make this really hard for myself uh, and go beat the game that way. 
I don't think I mean, there's there are, there are speed runs online. You got to look up those non no glitch speed runs where they they do all the stuff they're supposed to do and uh, just beat the game in order to get the best. And it's pretty impressive. Oh, I bet. I just think that that's a that's a neat thing that I don't know of too many early Nintendo games that offered you all of that uh all of those options right because you can play it as i did just very safe get all of the power-ups and basically make the game pretty easy on yourself because once you get the various suit and the screw attack you're you're pretty unless you get caught in some of that crossfire of like all the there's there's some screens where there's a bunch of enemies flying back and forth and you're just getting knocked back and forth between one lava pit and the next lava pit yeah that can suck but if if you can avoid that you're pretty much invincible yeah uh, at that point, you're just fighting like, where am I supposed to go next? Which was the same thing with Dread. You, at some point in Metroid Dread, you get to a point where you're pretty much invincible. But in Super Metroid and beyond, they rationed out that. You don't get the screw attack until like you're just about at the final boss. Right. Yeah. Whereas in Metroid, you can get the screw attack really early. Oh, can you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, you just need a couple missiles. Uh, really helps to have the various suit uh, if you because that halves the damage. But if you're good, you don't even need to get the various suit. You just go right for the screw attack if you want. I'm sure that's what the uh, speedrunners do. Who knows? And you never need the wave gun. I only got the wave gun because it makes everything a lot easier. They got uh, they got their strats, man. You absolutely need the ice beam. So. I I shouldn't even say that. I bet you there's somebody who's probably beaten the game with the wave gun. I'm pretty sure I've seen a speedrunner do the the final boss, the mother brain, without freezing any of the donuts. Yeah, you need missiles, but the freeze gun is good for freezing the Metroids and then blasting those with five That's missiles. True. But and they're fast, so I can't imagine outrunning or out jumping. But somebody's probably done it glitch free. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So my whole point with that whole conversation was, uh, I get it now. It took me uh, close to 35 years, but I get it. <laughs> oh, probably as a kid, you were like, I don't have time for this. No, I, I loved it, right? Because when you start that game out, like you look like a badass. Uh, uh, Samus looks like a badass with with the armor, the handgun. Uh, the music's awesome. I love the idea of like the the various power ups, and you know, you'd find a missile tank or an energy tank, you'd be like, oh, I'm so much more powerful. But I didn't spend the time bombing every square. I didn't have Nintendo power. I think I was like a year or two behind like the schoolyards and nobody was talking about Metroid at the time that I was playing it. It's a game that you have to spend a lot, like have commitment for. So I never found high high jump boots, the various suit, the wave beam, you know, a lot of those things that make the game a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think as a kid I ever fought Ridley and Kraid because I couldn't find them or I get to a point where I'd be like I don't like because there's some certain areas where like in order to progress to get to the next section you have to find like four secret areas to find the thing to go down to the place and I'd maybe get through two of them and be like oh I die or I'd just be like I like you said I don't have time for this or Maybe my Nintendo time was up and my parents were like, turn the Nintendo off. I don't know. <laughs> and the bosses are like any Nintendo boss. If you, they're, they're, they're very hard until they're not. Yes. Once you figure out the pattern, they're very easy, but it takes you, it could take you several deaths to figure out the, the pattern. Yeah. And my, 
several hours even. My Ridley battle, it took me one, I, I beat him on the first try. Kraid took me three tries. Kraid, I think, is more difficult. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't know if it was Ridley's pattern, but I was able to just go right next to him, and all of his little things he was shooting was just going over my head. <laughs> uh, and I just sat there and just shot him with missiles for like yeah. two minutes, and he was dead. I could definitely see as a kid like trying to like jump and avoid uh, all of that stuff. Uh, I also don't know if I just got like a lucky randomization of how his, his pattern was. But all that being said, it's a good time. It was a good time. Did you do a lot of grinding? Because I feel like the grinding is another drawback of the original that they improve on the later ones. Yes. Well, they're more forgiving with damage and uh, frequency of power-ups in Super Metroid and beyond. So there was a few points where I'd have my six energy tanks. I'd be down to maybe three full ones. And I'd sit there at those little pipes or whatever yeah. and just like... just. Grind and grind and grind. And the thing is, if you don't have the various suit, if you take damage, it's like 10 damage, but you're only getting five back. <laughs> so you could find yourself collecting, you know, two or three of the, the health things, getting hit once, uh, and then, you you know, you, you've netted five, and you're not getting health every single attack. Plus, I think there's either a bug or something specifically in the programming that if you collect a certain amount of power-ups from an area, you stop getting power-ups. Oh, I never encountered that. But then I was using the Switch version, so maybe it's not. I found the same thing there where I would like sit there at one of those pipes just like grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding, getting tons of missiles, tons of five-point energies, and then all of a sudden, like, no more. And I'd huh. sit there for like, you know, five, ten more times, like, and and they were just done. And I'd, I'd leave and I'd come back and I still couldn't get anything from them. I guess I never grind, grind, grinded as much as you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, the grinding... The grinding I could do without. The grinding um, is rough because... And th and that's the reason you don't finish the game in under an hour is because you probably are spending more than an hour just grinding. Yeah. And there's there's definitely a strategy. Like there's an energy tank uh, in the opening area sort of more or less on the way to uh, the final area. So I feel like a player or uh, somebody who's not into grinding is trying to go for a record would leave that energy tank for the very last basically play the game probably be down on life go there because when you get an energy tank all of your life fills up uh, and then head down to that that Turian area to take on the final battle or people are just a lot better than me and don't take much damage I don't know could be could be one or the, uh, the Speed other runners probably don't take any damage I don't know Metroid is one of the few games that I enjoy watching different people speed run just because of the design of the game, I guess. I'm not really sure. Yeah, and uh, it was funny. Um, you're, you're familiar with Angry Video Game Nerd, right? Yeah. Yeah, so they, uh, he, he and his buddy, they had James and Mike Mondays. They don't do that anymore, but they had a Metroid issue. It's like, oh, let me watch them play Metroid, and it was actually pretty painful. <laughs> now, they were playing it dry. Like, neither one of them had played the game in a long time, and they're like, ah, what do I... Uh, they couldn't quite remember, like, what they needed to do from a sequence standpoint. And since I had just been playing a bunch of it, I was like, okay, you got to go here, 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 here. And then you're ready for your first thing. Just watching them, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> you guys suck. Yeah. But that's just... Be I was, you know, it's no judgment on their abilities. I probably was the same way, you know, five years ago, putting it back in and being like, God, this game is so obtuse. I don't get it. <laughs> Because you're also, the ice beam, you sort of need it, but it also sort of sucks. Because now everything that was taking one shot to kill, it takes two shots to kill. Yeah. But 
it's obviously got the flexibility of you can freeze the harder enemies, jump on top of them, and then bomb them or hit them with a missile. So, again, you can basically make your own strategy for how you're going to approach that game. You never actually even need to get the Ice Beam if you don't want it until you get to the end of the game where you kind of need it for the Metroid area. It's good stuff, man. Yeah, it's it's fun because it's a good time. And Super Metroid's even better, although much more of a time well well a different a different use of your time it's bigger it's just a lot bigger it's easier but it's bigger um it's different yeah i don't think it's easier there i think it is there's some areas where uh so kind of bringing it back to metroid dread a little bit uh and even the precursor uh the remake of samus returns on 3ds that development team I don't know if I want to say perfected or basically just made it really easy to do wall jumps and sort of like those tricks Mm -hmm. on super Nintendo. It's, it's like it's frame accurate or pixel accurate. (laughs) Like if you miss, there's, there's one area that I remember, uh, you know, you get stuck down this, this column. There's no platforms. You basically have to wall jump your way back up. Takes easily five or six wall jumps to get up. Uh, and if you don't have the timing or like the button combination exactly perfect, you fall right back down to the to the bottom. You're better at video games than me, so you probably had no problem with it. I got stuck down there for easily a half an hour getting like I think I know what part you're talking. And there's about. like these little yeah. green things that sort of bounce back and forth. They're giving you the hint of like you need a wall jump to get out of here. Right. Um, but I easily probably maybe now could probably get out of there a lot easier. But my point is is like. Things like that, or or even the uh, the dash, which is introduced in Super Nintendo, uh, all of that is hard. In my opinion, is harder to pull off than it is in Dread. Yeah, Dread sure. makes it pretty difficult to pull off some of the weird combinations that you need to do to get like certain like. There are some that I still didn't figure out. Like there's, I I did pretty, I did quite a lot. I think I was in the ninety percent complete by the end of it but there were at least four or five right things that i couldn't even figure out like i would have to go online to figure out well and with metroid dread i just kind of got to that point i think super or power bombs or whatever like the last thing you get and once i got that i kind of was like well i have everything i could go back i know i'm missing at least two energy tanks a bunch of missiles but who cares? <laughs> and I just like, I went. It took me, the, the final boss is not easy. So it took me probably four or five attempts to get through all of his stages and figure out all of his patterns and everything. Um, but those things, those tricky like wall jump dash in Metroid Dread are designed to be obtuse, to, to be a puzzle for your hardcore gamer to like sit there and like, okay. What have I learned? How do I figure out doing this? And a casual yeah. gamer to be like, I ain't got time for this. <laughs> Which, when you figure it out, is great. You're like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, cool. That's that. That was really hard, but worth it. Most of them, I did have to look up in the air. Like, how am I supposed to do it? And I would watch it, and I would be like, oh my god, how do I do that? And I get halfway through the sequence, and I'd be like, okay, I, all right, right. You master that first half, then you master. But it would easily take me ten, fifteen minutes to get that one missile tank. Because I'm trying to figure out the exact sequence of, of how to do uh, whatever combination it was. Uh, I would say that I did not use the internet for that game at all. Well, you're like I said, you're, you're probably better at video games than I am, but I it's just muscle memory, but back to super Metroid. Yeah. They're, they're 
it, it is easier, but there are definitely areas uh, where it's like, where am I supposed? I have my map up. Where do I need to go next? I'm, I don't know. So there's a lot of. Whereas Dread and uh, the Samus Returns remake, it's like all these doors are shut. There's only one way for you to go. Yeah. And that's that's one of my complaints. And Metroid itself is is even more wide open, which is probably why maybe a lot of people think that it's uh, obtuse, difficult, archaic even, because nothing is holding your hand. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't figure out that you can bomb the walls for secret areas, you're just not going to finish the game. Yeah, exactly. So with all that out of the way, Adam... Uh, and dear listener, that, that that's the sort of witty, exciting banter that you can expect on the Patreon editions. In that wasn't just to, a taste. That was a full meal. It was a full meal. You're right. Um, but the question I have for you, Adam, is what should I play next? Um, you know, I, I don't really have an answer to that, but I will say I, I, I hooked up my – I finally hooked up my entertainment system yesterday, so I have all my minis mm. and all my – all the stuff that Scott sent me for the like – so the, like the PlayStation, PlayStation 2, Xbox, all of that is all hooked up to wow. one TV. Uh, I got a whole bunch of games sitting back there, and uh, so I cracked open Mega Man 2 <laughs> and because, uh, you know, that was a game I grew up with. Yeah. And uh, got to say, still got it. It's like whatever whatever that thing is in your brain. It was like I I put it on difficult mode, started playing it, was able to finish fairly easily, and finally I just stopped because I was like running out of time. But like, I was like, this isn't difficult at all. Well, and you, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that game is that game is amazing. You were playing that on the the NES Mini. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be honest. Uh, I have never played much. Definitely not beaten. Uh, and also not really given a chance any of the Mega Man games. Mega Man Two is, I would say, the best, but also the easiest. That that's like the entryway one. The difficult parts on that are far less difficult than in Mega Man One or Mega Man Three through gazillions. <laughs> the the later ones are also pretty. I think nine, ten, and eleven are also fairly easy. But uh, Mega Man Two, if you're gonna play a Mega Man, I would say. That start with Mega Man Two. It's got the best soundtrack. It's got the best levels. It's probably the most accessible. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's so that was my my thought. Uh, kind of looking at at uh, games I should have played more and or beaten as a child. Uh, Mega Man Two was was the one that was sort of on my mind as the next one to attempt. Who's the first? What what's the first stage? I went with Airman um, because I know the Airman level, like in the back of my mind, I was able to finish it without dying. So, I mean, that alone tells you that it's just in my brain. But is that um, the one that, that the noobs are supposed to start with? I don't know what the noobs are supposed to start with. I would because you can finish it with you can finish it with your Mega Man blaster. Okay. So the Internet says Metal Man. And okay, the reason Airman. the internet says that is because the 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 metal gun or the metal uh, blades that you get from him, you can use against pretty much anybody and it will, it will give you an advantage. Okay. So that makes sense. Okay. Then I went to cuz and then I went straight to Crash Man. Yep. Because the air cannon that you get from Airman allows you to kill Crash guy real easily and I died a couple times in the Crash Man level. Um and then but, you must have gone to Metal Man after that. 
No, I stopped after that. Oh. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I'm out of time. I could do this forever, but I gotta, I gotta quit. Okay. <laughs> I gotta get back to setting up the rest of the entertainment system. <laughs> well, all right. Yeah. My, my, uh, entertainment system is, is a shambles. All I've got hooked up to my main TV are the switch and the PS4 with the ability to quick change over the PS3 if I need to. Mm. But I don't have hardly anything else set up. But I do have the the Mega Man collection. I think I have the Mega Man collection. There's two of them. Yeah, I think actually I, there might be three of them now. I think there are. You've got Mega Man, the Super Mega Mans, and then I think Mega Man X's. And I never got into the Mega Man X's, so I don't know what I'm missing out. Those ones were very different. The character designs were different. I, I'm I'm eight bit or nothing. That's why when they came back to Mega Man 9, it was like, yeah, you're going back to the old stuff. Did you play and beat Mega Man 9? I think so. Okay. I think I beat Mega Man 9. I don't think I beat Mega Man 10, and I didn't beat Mega Man 11, but that game was a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, I think Mega Man 11, even though they upgrade the graphics to a more modern kind of version of Mega Man, Mm -hmm. was the most true to my Mega Man 2 experience from my childhood. Okay. So I was I was really into it. All right. I should go back and finish Mega Man 11. Yeah, you should. Uh, you know what other game I, I've not beaten on my own accord? What's that? And I don't know I care about it, uh, and this might be blasphemy, but The Legend of Zelda. Really? I beat Zelda 2, which That's... everybody hates, but I I loved it. I thought it was great. That's surprising. But you never finished Zelda? Nope. Oh, that's like a rite of passage. It it really is. Uh, I just did you finish Super Mario Brothers? I have finished Super Mario Brothers. What I'm trying to think of with Super Mario Brothers is whether or not. Yeah, the only way I beat Super Mario Brothers was was warping. I don't think I've ever played in in one sitting. Maybe, but somebody has. Uh, you know, one one through eight four. Just like yeah, no warping. I've no, I don't think I've ever yeah. done that. I've done it. It's hard. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I think I, I, especially you get six, seven, and eight are like ridiculously hard. I think I sat down once with that intention, got to four, and I was like, I'm just going to warp to eight. (laughs) I have never finished Super Mario Brothers 2, the Japanese version. I haven't even gotten past World 2. No. That game is very difficult. But I mean, it's the same thing where it's like, if I put as many hours into that game as I put into the, Super Mario Brothers, I probably could finish it. Maybe. Well, sure, of course. Of course you could. It Uh, definitely does require you to have to commit to the time that you had as a child. Yeah, I mean, if you think about any video game, generally any video game, the first sections are very forgiving. Not in in Super Mario Brothers 2. But (laughs) Super Mario 2 is basically like, this is world 9 through 18, so or 16, so whatever you learned in 8, that's what what you're, it's going to be a little bit harder in nine, and and to me that's like obviously you can do it, but that's that's memorizing patterns and button yeah. sequences, and there's like there's no slipping, like you you can't oh I missed that jump, uh, oh I, I landed on the other side of the turtle, everything's fine. It's like no no no, you missed the jump and you fell through a pit because <laughs> if you're not perfect, uh, so I don't really find that game fun because it's just too darn hard. Yeah, but uh, uh yeah. I like my games easy with a difficult uh, learning curve or uh, difficulty so, so, curve. So Zelda, yeah, you got to go back and finish that. That's, you have to. It's not even. You just have to. 
And not only that, but you should finish the Master Quest. Oh, my God. Um, I just don't know if I'd be able to do it without a guide. You can use a guide. Oh, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, I definitely used a guide for Zelda 2. I think I had the... Uh, Whatever the compilation of Nintendo Power Strategies into the one, the player's handbook or whatever it was called, which had a, a really good Zelda 2. But Zelda 2 is still hard, even with that. Zelda 1 is hard with the guide. Okay. But you will, um, you'll spend a lot less time doing things that you may or may not figure out. I don't know. I'd like, you, you, you definitely could do Zelda with the, without the guide. Yeah. It would just take a lot long. You don't have, you just don't have time for that. <laughs> you, you ain't got time for that. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked my experience with Metroid because I played a good 30, 40% of the game just on my own accord. And it wasn't until I was like, I want to beat this game. Or I was like, let me, let me watch a couple of videos and grab a map. Uh, and I would probably try to do the same thing with either a Mega Man 2 or a Zelda. Like, I don't, I don't want to start with like, you know, the absolute, like one of the uh, playthroughs, whatever they call those, the, uh, the walkthroughs, those uh, are great, right? If you want to do everything sort of in a, a more or less perfect order, but to a degree, they take away that discovery, right? I don't think you get good by just kind of reading like the exact thing you're supposed to do. Right. But like when I played through a bunch of Metroid, I did that, like I said, on the NES. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I did things definitely not in an optimized order. But then when I played it again on the Switch, I was like, okay, I now know what's more optimal. Maybe not the optimized way, but go here, go here, go here, go here. Uh, probably in you know, 50% of the amount of time it took me on the original hardware. Uh, and at that point. Yeah. That's and that's how I you're supposed to play it. Jumped onto the guide. You so. play it, you get better. You play it again, you get better. That's what that's what the intention always was. I could probably play Legend of Zelda without maps now, but that's because the maps that I read as a child are probably in my brain. Right, right, right. Yeah. I, yeah. They, they may not be like right there, but as I'm playing it, it'll be like, oh, yeah, there's a thing over here. Okay, I remember this. Yeah, it'd be, all, be a lot of I remember this. Yeah, maybe I'll do Zelda before I do Mega Man 2. I don't know. I'll report. I'm not sure which one's going to be easier. Yeah, I'm not really going for ease. I just I feel like I already, I just did the whole side-scrolling shooting thing. Maybe I need to mix it up a little bit with top-down shooting things. <laughs> if you're doing if you're doing classics, you got to do Zelda. Yeah, I the game never really appealed to me. I don't know. Really? I know everybody loves it, right? I'm definitely a a minority in this. Hmm. Did you, do you like the later Zeldas? Do you Not, like Breath no. of the Wild? I mean, Breath of the Wild is okay. Oh my God. Breath of the Wild was like the best game I, for, I for a long time. I put like five hours into it and then I just oh never my God, picked it I back put, up. I put probably 500 hours into oh, it. Oh, I know. I know. I know many people <laughs> who have put hundreds upon hundreds of hours in that game. Uh, that, that game is great because you can like, if I just started playing it now, like I, I, I finished it, yeah. and then I restarted it with the intention of not, of just running around and exploring the land, right? And, doing different and things. not, yeah, and not doing the main quest and seeing how far you could get without doing the main quest. I'm sure it's far. It's it's far and fun. Yeah, maybe it's the whole 500 hours that that gets daunting. It's like, ugh. oh, absolutely. I, I could wanna. I could totally see not wanting to get into it because of the time sink. But I think you can also beat that game in 20 hours if you. 
Probably. just decide to follow the main quest and and get a whole bunch of potions. Um, yeah, from the Zelda franchise perspective, um, I I didn't play Link to the Past. Um, I, oh I, God, I tried. So pretty much every Zelda game is a classic. Yeah, I know, right? I tried playing that. Everybody <laughs> loves that game, and I was like, okay, I, I kind of get this. I got stuck. I don't remember in a forest or like the night or the dream. I don't remember. I guess I was like, Ugh, and I got tired of it. Uh, I bought Wind Waker on my GameCube and I played a little bit of that. I was like, eh, okay. And then I never played it again. I didn't play any N64 <laughs> Zeldas because uh, I didn't own an N64. Um, and then, yeah, Twilight Princess, that was way off my radar. Uh, and anything between, uh, I guess, Wind Waker and uh, Breath of the Wild which I think is probably only Twilight Princess. I did beat uh, Minish Quest on uh, GameCube or uh, Game Boy Advance. <laughs> I don't think I've ever played that one. And I, I think a lot of people don't like Minish Quest because they're like, man, it's derivative of uh, Link to the Past. Uh, and it is. It's basically like they took Link to the Past engine and just threw it on Game Boy Advance and, and gave it basically a different, the origin of Link's hat, basically, <laughs> which is kind of silly when you think about it. But yeah, I played that, played and beat that. Um, so basically I've, maybe I should just stick to that playing and beating the ones people hate. Yeah. maybe. <laughs> I think there's a game or a, uh, N64 one that nobody likes the, uh, the time know. travel one. Yeah. Or maybe that one's that, less celebrated. Oh, is that, that Ocarina of time? Yeah. Ocarina of time. I think people or, no, not Ocarina of time. Is it Ocarina of time? No, it's Majora's mask. Majora's mask. You're right. Yeah. I think that one's celebrated, but a lot less so than. That is one that I've never finished because unlike other Zelda games where you can walk away for a year and come back and continue where you left off, if if you try doing that with that one, you will be so lost that you just have to start over. So as a result, you basically have to play through it in your session. So like whether it be a month or a year, you just have to keep coming back to it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you'll forget where you left off. Yeah. I don't think I'm ever. I I bought it on 3ds. I played it for like a couple of minutes, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> so that's a good one. I mean, I, they're all they're all they're all good for different reasons. I also have the the link to the past follow up on 3ds. I can't remember what it's called. A lot of people like that game too. Uh, yeah, I think that one they also released on the Switch. Oh, probably. And I never, I didn't finish that on the Switch because I refused to look up clues on the internet and so i just got stuck uh it looks like almost well a lot of the zeldas are of oh you you might be thinking of link's awakening maybe sounds sounds familiar link's awakening was a port of a game boy game is that on the switch that's on the switch okay then that must be what i'm thinking of uh the one i'm thinking of is uh, I don't remember. My brain just died. Uh, uh, <laughs> what were we That's talking right. about? We're going, we're going way over time. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, better to just end it there on on a whimper than uh, than anything else. Point there is uh, the point is you should you should just try to finish the first Legend of Zelda and and come back and let us know what your thoughts are. Okay. And I might I might play it myself too. Now that we're talking about it, I might try it too. Uh, try try and do what I said I could do. Play it without any maps. See if I can actually do it. I I think um, people need to give uh, Zelda two another chance. It's not as bad as the world thinks it is. I like Zelda two. I've always liked it, but that's because that's the one I grew up with. I think I feel like that might 
after, well, I don't know. I think I say this about every game. It was one of the very few and first games uh, on the NES I ever beat. Yeah. Okay, Adam. Well, do you have anything else? No, I do not. Okay. Well, until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. <laughs>